Good morning. Who was that? Who was that nice, bright voice in the back? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I don't know about you, but I am ready for football. And especially this year, I am ready because the word is that my team, the SMU Mustangs, are going to have the best team they've had since they got the death penalty back in the 80s. But we'll talk about that another time. Now, I will tell you this, that I got my tickets to the TCU-SMU game, and it has TCU all over it. And so I'm a little bit sick of that, but that's okay. So I'm going to put that back in my pocket and hope it doesn't disturb my sermon. Um, Now, I know some of you are not football fans. Some of you online are probably not football fans. This is probably your least favorite time of year. Nobody? That is really cool. Nobody doesn't like football? See, I know, you're not going to fess up because you're afraid of the repercussions, right? Oh, okay, okay, all right, that's okay. <clears throat> we forgive you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. You know, of course, the truth is that... Um, we can believe whatever we want to about our team, and, uh, and, and the team is always best in the weeks leading up to their first game. And then reality sets in. I, I, I got a friend, um, and I'm going to kind of shift gears here a little bit, but I've got a friend that's an SMU grad, uh, and and he's uh, almost as rabid as I am, but not quite. And we've been talking a lot lately about the prospects. Called him on Friday. And instead of talking about football, I asked him instead, I said, which kind of surprised him, I think. I said, what do you think about what's going on in Afghanistan? What what do you think about this COVID-19 variant? And he said... You know what, John? I don't care about those because I can't do anything about it. Let's talk about football. And I thought, I just kind of let it go. I thought, okay. So we talked about football. And I got off the phone and I realized what I'd done. That football was a momentary distraction for the darkness of our world. And ignoring the unfolding chaos does not make it go away. And there are some, and I think probably all of us have fallen into this trap before, who say, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. But when we read 1 John, there is something we can do about it. when we read 1 John, it starts with us. When we read 1 John, that letter, he is reminding us that the light of God's presence in this world is more powerful than any darkness and that we 
have a part in making the light shine in the darkness. And John writes to churches that are more challenged than we are. The, the days of the late first century were, for Christians were dangerous days. And not only were they dangerous, but by, by that time, the church was being assaulted with false teachings. I mean, John is dealing with a, a, a lot as he writes to the churches that he knows. And this letter was probably written to be circulated among several churches. And he contrasts two ways to live. To walk in the light or to walk in the darkness. The first constitutes fellowship with God. It is um, characterized by truth, confession of sin, forgiveness, and the cleansing of the sacrifice of Jesus. The second constitutes a false claim to uh, fellowship with God. I mean, there are a lot of Christians that claim fellowship with God, but their lives don't reflect it. For those lives are characterized by deceit, deception, rejection of truth. And in this letter, and we start today, we're going to spend a couple of Sundays on it. Um, John outlines how the power of God's light overcomes the darkness one person at a time. And it begins with you and I. So before we look at specifically at these verses, let's pray together. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our strength, our redeemer, may these words be your words. For all that I don't speak, O oh God, fill in the gaps. For all that I misspeak, O oh God, correct it in our hearts as we hear it. Hide me behind the cross, O oh God, this day that only you will be seen and only your word will be heard. For I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay. These verses, I just want to give you an overview. Three statements. Verse 5. God's character is holy and pure. Verse 6, we are broken and in need of God's transformation. And verse 7 through 10, our hope is in confessing our brokenness in order to receive the cleansing forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And it unfolds just in five verses. He begins with God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, light is a metaphor that's used throughout the Bible. Light is, is that which overcomes the darkness. Light is that which shows purity. Light is that which shows power. Light is that which shows glory and holiness. And in this case... It is about God's holiness. It is about God's glory. Now, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about you. If you study the Bible very much, then you probably know that 1 John is known as the letter of love. 
And we're going to deal with that in some other sermons uh, as we move through 1 John. It's known as the letter of love. Some of the most powerful passages about God's love and our call to love each other are in 1 John. And yet, as John begins his, this letter, he didn't talk about love. He starts with light. And, and I believe there's a reason why he starts with light. There's a reason why he starts with light. He starts with light because darkness is an atmosphere that denies the truth of God and is a stumbling block for those who follow Christ. Um, it is like a fog on, uh, <laughs> that we drive through, and it obscures our vision. And, 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 and at times, the fog can get so deep and dark, we wonder even if the sun is shining. We question whether or not we are on the right road. That is darkness. Now, <laughs> to be sure, uh, darkness, as it sp- spoke of in the Bible, refers to spiritual forces, Okay? That's not what John is talking about here. This dynamic of light and darkness is, in this case, is not a case of of spiritual warfare. This is a battle that takes place within each of us. The battle of God's light, God's holiness, God's truth against our need to be in control and, and to put ourselves first above all else. So it begins with light. Um, absolute holiness. And I, and I think that John begins this way not just because it's a, it is so there's such a need in his day and in our day to address the darkness. But because unless we understand the holiness and the truth of God, we cannot understand the love of God. Because without the holiness and the truth of God, without the power of God, love becomes just sentimental. And for, for some... It even becomes permissive. But John starts with light so that as we come, as he talks about love, we see love in the context of God's power. We see love in the context of God's truth. We see love in the context of God's holiness. And and in that context, as God comes to us as light, And love, we experience God as a fire that inspires, uplifts, gives confidence, and burns away that which is impure. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So, how do we get connected to the light? 
John then, in these next three verses, quickly gives us three if we say clauses. And, and basically, if we say this, then this. If we say this, then this. And what John is trying to highlight here is the contradiction between belief and practice. Sound familiar? I mean, we come in this place, we worship, we, uh, we say all the right words, we sing the songs, and then the farther we get away, the more we look like the world. In fact, John says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, talking about our behavior, we lie and do not know what is true. Now, um, I've been kind of unfold, I'm trying to really do a word study on the word lie. And in the Greek, it literally does mean lie, okay? Uh, or liar. Um, <laughs> but John didn't live in our day because I think if he had lived in our day, he would say, with him while we are walking in darkness, we are a narcissist. Because what does a narcissist do? I think only of themselves at the expense of others. John is reminding us that our relationship with God is made known in the life we live. And when there's a contradiction between our claim of closeness and our lifestyle, there's a problem. If we say we have fellowship with God, but are verbally or physically abusive toward our colleagues, our coworkers, our friends, our spouses, our children, we lie. If we claim closeness to God, but stir up trouble at work or school or at home or in our neighborhood through murmuring, complaining, and gossiping, we're not practicing the truth. We lie. The solution is in verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, if we walk in the light as Jesus has walked in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There is a connection that takes place among Christians. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, I know it's trite, and I almost hate to say the words, because we kind of hear it over and over again, and it gets simplistic. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus offers the forgiveness of sins. Jesus offers the way forward for our brokenness. And there is no other. There is no other religion. There is no other belief system that offers what, what God offers through Jesus Christ. I, and I've got a colleague that says to me, you know, you know but, you know, that, 
that separates us, that makes us exclusive, that makes us sound like that we're better than everybody else. And I said, well, we're not better than everybody else. But whether we like it or not, we are exclusive. Because the uniqueness of Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers sets us apart. We are different. Not because of this body or personality or whatever it might be in this life, but because of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ through his work on the cross. So we walk in the light. You know, um, you have a choice. Walk in the light, walk in the darkness. Uh, the word walk, uh, in, it translated walk, is uh, peripatio. Uh, that's the Greek word. And it means to walk around. Okay? Um, and, and really, there's not a, a, a good English word that really describes what this word is, is talking about. Because uh, peripatio... Uh, Peripatio, it uh, sounds like a a toilet, but anyway, it's not. (laughs) It is not taking one step at a time. It is the process of taking several steps. It is a direction that one has set for their life. It is a decision that one has taken that my life is going to go in this direction. And John says, there are two different directions. Darkness or light. It's a choice. A single action might be called a step in the right direction. You know, and maybe this morning you want to take that first step. But ultimately, it is a direction for the rest of our lives that leads us to a place of victory. Step after step after step. Now, I wish that John would stop right there with verse 7. Because that's really good. Forgiveness of sins, uh, you know, I, I, I am broken. I mean, and let me tell you, I am broken. I have made more mistakes in my life than I want to count. And what God has said is that I remember these no more. I have wiped the slate clean. You don't have to, you can leave that behind and look to the future. But John continues, and he really gets ugly here and personal. And um, because he wants his reader to admit and to confess totally and completely. So he goes on to say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's really good. But if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. And the word is not in us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to make God a liar. I mean, the thought of making God a liar, I can just hear the thunder. 
Now, I, I really don't believe that God, sent, God sends lightning bolts or punishment upon us, but <laughs> there's just a part of me that gets kind of nervous and scary to think that we might call God a liar. And when we say that we <laughs> do <laughs> that we do not sin, we're calling God a liar. We are denying the truth of our existence. We're denying the truth of our failure. We are denying the truth of our frailty. We are denying the foolishness that we often get ourselves into. We are denying our need for Jesus Christ, not only for the forgiveness of sins, but for the direction of life. And the language John uses here is that we are not led astray by someone else or by some spirit. It is our responsibility. You know, we can either cover it up or confess it. We can deny it. You know, an ostrich, when it gets uh, pursued by a, by a predator, if the ostrich knows they can't outrun the predator, what does the ostrich do? Puts his head in the stand. Now, that really works, doesn't it? We can either deny it or we can confess it. We can either walk in the light and take the direction of God through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he wants to pour out upon us are. And to walk in the light doesn't mean that we are perfect. In fact, I would say here that what John is trying to tell us is that confession is an ongoing practice of the Christian. It is, it, it, it is a safeguard against self-righteousness. It is a safeguard against moral and ethical arrogance. It is a safeguard against us putting ourselves above others around us to confess who we are. If, <laughs> if not on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Because you know, I mean, we all, we all, as Paul says, fall short we all are sinners in need of the blood of Jesus. Okay. So was my friend right about the circumstances of this world? Are we really helpless against the darkness? Can we really not do anything about it? I say no. I say no. We may not be able to fly to Afghanistan. Um, and, and I doubt that very many of us are going to be able to go down to New Orleans. Maybe a few. I mean, we can give, you know, to help folks. But what we can do is to start with us. That's what, that's what John is saying. That, <laughs> that the light starts with each individual one at a time. 
one at a time. And as the light grows, so it spreads and blots out the darkness. Here's the image that I like. Just imagine for a moment that we're uh, at a play and the room is dark and maybe there's some few lights so you can kind of see but not really and then the main character comes out on stage and the spotlight comes down. And the spotlight's almost like poking a hole in the darkness because you can see it. You can see the edge of of the light. And then another actor comes and a spotlight pokes another hole in the darkness. And another actor comes out and pokes another hole in the darkness. And as each hole is poked into the darkness the room begins to illuminate until four, five, six, seven. And now you look around and everything is clear. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And he is calling us to walk in that light that we might be the instruments of hope in this world to confess our sins that we might be one with Christ to receive forgiveness and to poke just another hole in the darkness. It begins with us, friends. It begins with us. Right now, right here.